Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky on the other side of the glass. Brian, hey, Dad. Brian Scott, Rippy Glary to be with you. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It'll be a part of the pro- uh, program this afternoon. You can do so on the C Spire text line, 601 879 4395. 601 879 Four, three, nine, five. Boys, what's up? We're all in one place today. How about this? This is nice. It is nice nice. to be together. Borky, you have to look at us today. Sorry. Yeah, I can't decide if I like this or not. Leaning no, but jury's still out. You're you're leaning no, you don't like it? Yeah, leaning no. He didn't even know we were supposed to be here today. Yeah, I kind of forgot. I I was walking back from lunch and I saw Hey Dad. And I'm like, hey. And he just looked at me and goes, are y'all here today? Like, well, read I mean, your emails. Yeah, physically, yes. Here I am. Uh, here I am. Rippy? We thought you forgot. Why? Because we didn't see you until... I actually was here before you were. I saw you pull up in the parking lot. I had... Um, Thanks for saying hey. Well, you were kind of too far away at that point for me to roll down the window and be like, Hey, Rippy! I would have appreciated it. Yeah, I was... Um, I pulled in and I sat... I got here at like twelve thirty or something, and sat in the car for about half an hour and took a nap before I came inside. It was it was like, hey, it's lunch break for everybody. I'll just catch a uh, catch a quick snooze on the way down. Hey, we are uh, we're glad to have you along. Got a bunch to get to uh, this afternoon. You can follow the show on Twitter at Sports Talk M I S S. That's Sports Talk Mississippi's Twitter feed. Sports Talk M I S S. A big story comes out today from Dan Wetzel at Yahoo. It'll do. They got rid of that little tag. They, did, they, they, they should not have. It was it was good. Um, new information on who, Borky? Wiretap Will. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Baseball games from yesterday. Uh, no trouble for Mississippi State. They uh, run away and hide from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Ole Miss down to a strike. Not just an out away, but a strike away for... Uh, a day that would live in infamy, I suppose. Ole Miss was no hit for eight and two-thirds innings with a full count on pinch hitter Michael Fitzsimmons. He gets a walk to become the third base runner of the game, brings Thomas Dillard to the plate, Thomas Dillard singles to right, breaks up the no-hitter, and Ole Miss gets another hit, scores a couple of runs off of a, uh, a new pitcher in the game for East Carolina, makes it 3-2. to two. They end up loading the bases, and then a little weak, rinky-dink pop-up down the uh, right field line ended the ball game with the bases loaded. So not only does uh, do, did you not get to see a no-hitter, even though it was probably not the direction most of you would like to have seen one, 
Uh, Ole Miss also not able to complete the comeback in baseball yesterday against East Carolina. What did you think about uh, the game yesterday? I mean, he was just kind of a push-it-over-nibble-at-the-edges-of-the-plate-lefty, right? I mean, he topped out at like 86 with the fastball, but he took advantage of how hyper-aggressive Ole Miss is at the plate and, and really made them over-aggressive. I don't think I entirely agree with that assessment. He got through seven innings at 77 pitches. No, no, I... I no, I mean on the eight topping out at 86 and just nibbling the whole time. He pounded the inside corner. Both pitchers got an extension on the outside corner to left-handed hitters, and he was around 90 at least early in the game. No? Not from the gun I saw, but I, I could be I could be wrong about that. Are you going off the uh, scoreboard gun? Yeah, which is usually hot if anything, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I thought okay. he was Oh, maybe so. I thought he pitched pretty well, and he, he had he control of three well. pitches. I mean, he threw fastball, whatever you're calling his breaking ball, curveball, slider, slurve, Tora, cutter, you, whatever. Tore UCL a year ago, too, so not not exactly. It wasn't Randy Johnson, no. Yeah, no. Jake Kuchmaner, uh it was just his second start of the season. And here's the crazy thing about it. East Carolina sent word to us before the game started yesterday that the plan was for him to be on a pitch count of about 50 pitches or three innings, whichever came first. And then right before the game started, they said, you know, if he's pitching well, we might push him a little bit deeper. Well, they got three innings. They pushed him deeper, all right, and just kept pushing. Um, We'll talk more about that game coming up in, uh, in just a little while. More to get to uh, with you as we roll through the afternoon. Um, Basketball had a couple of games last night. You, you, did you finally get to the point where a couple of teams quit? Yeah, Georgia, Georgia said, quit. "You know what? I'm out. <laughs> We're done." They scored 39 points. I was picking up some dinner, and uh, I looked up and I was like, "Wow, they're getting blown out." And then I saw the word "final," and I was like, "What? Oh, they like, got <laughs> it, it, blown there was, out." There was a literal like, "What?" Just quiet like that. And then Vanderbilt lost by almost forty to an Arkansas team prior to that prior to squeaking one out against Ole Miss on Saturday had lost six in a row. Unless the FBI knocks everybody out of that LSU roster, they're getting the over. Yeah. And I'm not about to go to bad for Vanderbilt, but Arkansas is at least playing better. They are. Yeah. They found it a little too late. They found it about two or three games too late. Yeah, because they were legitimately two weeks ago still. In the bubble conversation, but they start off five and four and get it all the way back to I think five hundred, maybe five, like four and five, somewhere around there, and had a chance, and then yeah, just kind of tailed off. Yeah. Um, There's been so much talk about Zion being the first pick. Whoever this kid who got hurt for Vanderbilt is should be the first pick because they're going to go zero and eighteen because he's not playing. He must be the best player ever. They were. They were. They. They were. Supposed to be a pretty decent middle of the pack SEC, going to contend for an NCAA tournament team prior to the Darius season. Darius Garland. Darius Garland, and he gets hurt, and they can't win a game. Right. It certainly dramatically changed who they were as a as a team. Because we were off yesterday, we will look back to Tuesday, uh, Mississippi State's game on the road against Tennessee. That was not great on Tuesday night against the uh, Vols. It was a pretty engaged 
Volunteers team on uh, on Tuesday night. Ole Miss is close, but not quite against Kentucky on Tuesday night as well. Borky, is this is this a continuation of list season? Yeah, so where we're going to debate Dabo versus Papa Saban. Well, I made an observation. I saw a few lists, and I don't think Clemson is getting the respect that they probably deserve for what they've done lately, and then who they have at quarterback. Because all of these lists still have Saban as the best coach, still have Tua as the best quarterback. And I think you can make an argument for Debo Sweeney currently right now being the best coach in college football, or at least the one that you would want to coach your team. And Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback well, in college You just football. asked that question two different ways. It is, but I still best think... Best coach and the one you want to coach your team are not the same question. Well, Dabo has won two of three, so I still think he's the best coach right now. The Knicks got six of them, though. Right now, I still think Dabo Sweeney's the best coach in college football. Okay, well, if it's a right now question, that's... How many does Dabo have by the time he's Nick's age in 2019? In 2019. Like, what? I don't know how old Nick That was a weird way of saying I don't oh, know how yeah. old Nick Saban is. Was he 60... 68? Like is that, that right. old? I think he's that old. I could be wrong. We'll give Dabo another There's year. There's these machines we have. We can find out. For the sake of jokes. So how many does he have 67. by age 69? Okay, so he's 67. And Dabo is what, 50? 48? Dabo is 49. Okay, he's 49. So 19 years separating them. And the question is, does Dabo so win four more? Four more in the next 20 years. Assuming Nick Saban doesn't win any more himself. That's right. If they continue on this trajectory, Clemson's going to win four more in the next 10 years. There's only one team that's ever done that, right? Well, one team in modern history. It's happened more than once, but I mean... You're you're saying he is going to do what Alabama has done under Nick Saban? I, I it seems that way. Yes, we'll see. That's uh that is an awfully big standard, but certainly looks pretty good right now with uh, with what they're doing. So we will dive a little deeper into that conversation. David Delucci will stop by. We'll talk some SEC baseball with him. Hard to believe that uh, conference play begins. Next weekend, not this weekend, this weekend we're going to deal with more rain. Mississippi State has already announced doubleheader on Friday, no game on Saturday. They'll play game three against Maine on Sunday. Oh, Miss's game was moved two minutes ago to 3 p.m. on Friday. So are they going to play a doubleheader or just one game? First pitch for Friday series opener has been moved to 3 p.m., so that's all we got right now. Okay. so Mississippi we- State will also be playing two games starting at 3 o'clock on right, Friday. Right, they're going to play at 3 p.m. on 3 Friday. 3 p.m. and then no game Saturday, and then first pitch Sunday is at noon. Okay, so uh, we'll keep you up to date on any other changes that happen there. Chad Ryder joining us later on to talk NFL draft, latest look at bracketology, plus the net rankings, and a whole lot more with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thursday afternoon, glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. A ton to get to, so let's just kind of start start unpacking it a little bit at a time. Luke Johnson will join us uh, coming up about 15 minutes from uh, from right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Let's go to the Ole Miss baseball game from, uh, from yesterday afternoon. Um... East Carolina wins 3-2. to two. The story of the game, though, certainly is the starting pitcher for ECU, Jake Kuchmaner, who went eight and two-thirds hitless. Um, in fact, eight and two-thirds allowing only two base runners. He allowed the third base runner of the game when he had a guy get on base in the, uh, in the eighth. 
and then he gives up a base hit. Also, I'm sorry, in the ninth. Also gives up a base hit in the ninth. So there was a hit batter. He hit Ryan Olenek in, I think, the fifth inning. He had a strikeout wild pitch of Gray Kessinger in the sixth inning. Aside from that, nothing. Bunch of lazy pop flies. Not a bunch of great at-bats. What do you think Rippy? I mean, he was good, and he located pitches really, really well. But Ole Miss is the second-best offense in the SEC in terms of batting average. At least they were going into yesterday's game. They're hitting three twelve Against predominantly right-handed pitching. Okay. So it's all lefty. That's a lot of it, in my opinion. Okay. I don't have. I wish you could get lefty righty splits, but you just can't uh, in college baseball. So and they've got them. They just won't put them out there. Yeah. Maybe I understand why. Um, but yeah. So I mean that, and then they just kind of. I mean, they took a lot of bad swings, and just. I mean, it was it was a bad day. I don't know how much there was really to it. I mean, the kid threw a lot of strikes. Ole Miss was really aggressive, and he threw a lot of change-ups, and they were kind of guessing a lot. What did Mike Bianco say after the game? Was um, he mad? No. He was more upset after the win against Little Rock on Tuesday because of how they played. Like, I mean, they missed signs. They, you know, Little Rock, in that big inning, Little Rock had they bunted twice, which is the concept of a bunt is to give the other team out, and Ole Miss decided they didn't want it both times. Mm-hmm. So he's more mad at stuff like that. He just kind of was like, tip your hat, the kid was the kid was good today, we know we can swing the bat. I think he was happy with how Ole Miss pitched it, because aside from one sequence, Doug Nikhazy, I mean, if that was, if that ends up being like an audition or, or evidence as to whether, evidence to weigh with regards to him pitching on the weekend, he acquitted himself pretty well, aside from one sequence, so... Yeah, had um, seven strikeouts. Seven strikeouts, a walk, 80 pitches. And that sequence was in the fourth inning. He was behind in the count. It may have been a full count pitch. He hung a breaking ball. The guy led the inning off with a double. Then he gives up a single. And then again, behind in the count, hung a breaking ball. And kid hit a fly ball over the right field wall. He did. Uh, left a breaking ball up. But other than that, I, I, he was he was pretty good. It's weird to say other than that, but I mean... TC, I mean, uh, ECU, excuse me, did all their damage in in one swing. They had four hits in the game, or, or maybe ended up with five. I think it was four, and three of them came consecutively in the fourth inning. Yeah, I think they got one off green in the ninth, but to that's your right. point. Yeah, fit five for the game. Yeah, but I mean, to your point, that's really all they did. So there was a leadoff single, three straight hits in the fourth inning, and then a hit in the ninth inning. Yes. Yeah. So, if you like pitching and defense... Should have come out to the ballpark yesterday. <laughs> and Ole Miss, Ole Miss hasn't had you know pitching has been an issue for them this year. And you were saying in before the show the guy just makes one mistake and that's that's the difference in the game. Starting pitching in particular has their bullpen has been pretty good. So did they find a bit of an answer and a loss? I don't know. I guess that remains to be seen. I mean, that's the best hitting lineup they've seen this year, isn't it? Yeah, except for the fact that East Carolina had kind of struggled coming in. But the, I think the middle of East Carolina's lineup, East Carolina's lineup, is pretty formidable. But I mean, yes, they had struggled coming in. I don't they, know about they yes. got, they've they got, got two All Americans. Did they have a guy? He was out from Mississippi State. I forget. Burleson did not yeah. play in the game yesterday. He's hitting like five forty for the year, yeah. um, and was the he was player of the year in Conference USA last year. Is that right? I'm, I'm sorry, in the American a year ago. 
Uh, one of the guys on that team was the player. Maybe it was Packard, the leadoff hitter that was the Conference USA. Or I keep saying that. The American Athletic Conference Player of the Year uh, a season ago. You saw East Carolina on Tuesday. Yes. Interestingly enough, Cliff Godwin goes, I've never been that cold on a baseball field in my life. Freezing. Freezing cold out there. <laughs> so the temperature was not that much different yesterday, but the wind was different. Yeah. And yeah. apparently everybody said it felt different. It was It was a cloudy, overcast day. Tuesday. Yesterday was nice and sunny. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, that's, it, why, that's why I thought he got he got thrown out. He's like, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to get on the bus. Yeah. Um, was the home plate umpire terrible in that game? Let's preface this with you are asking me if an official was not good. And I my default answer is usually yes. Okay. Uh, but he wasn't so egregious that I was noticing it in, in the press box going, wow, this guy is... Uh, is really bad. E- either way, either way. Okay. So, Cliff Goblin might disagree with me. He might. It might be the reason that he uh, he <laughs> gets to go to the bus before everybody else I, did. He got thrown out with two outs in the ninth and two strikes on his hitter. He was he yeah. was getting that head start to the bus. Yeah, uh, and, and he he didn't really prolong the argument. Uh, there might have been another umpire that encouraged him to uh, not allow himself to get suspended for an additional game. Yeah, uh, that it just wasn't worth get, uh, given the uh, the ne- situation. Never really left the dugout. Yeah. Did you see? Well, there's the, only one. No, I haven't seen the replay. There's only one the ninth, out. Have you seen the, the, what the ninth inning was at State yesterday or two days ago? Cole Gordon struck out four batters in the inning, and uh, he committed two errors on one play, and still didn't give up a run. It's exactly that. Struck out four batters in one inning, which you don't see very often, and then he he there was a, a, a tapper back to the mound. He didn't he didn't he couldn't get a hand on it, so he drops it. Then he picks it up, throws over to first, and it gets away. So he okay. got scored, hit for two hours, two hours on one play. All right, so so Ole Miss plays poorly on Tuesday, but wins. They played pretty well yesterday, although not very good offensively, and they lose. Mississippi State gets a couple of midweek wins. They they beat East Carolina on Tuesday, and then yesterday against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And we can spend as much time as you want to on it, but that's one of those that you look at it and you go, Arkansas Pine Bluff is a team that you're supposed to beat 100 times out of 100. Mm-hmm. Usually you're going to beat them by double digits or in the neighborhood of, and that's pretty much what State did yesterday. Yeah, the starting pitcher for uh, for Arkansas Pine Bluff, I don't I don't remember his name, but I was telling Borky about this part of the show. But uh, he had a couple that got over the plate at about 58. Uh, he he was he was throwing junk, and State could. Wait, not, that wasn't a fastball, was it? I don't know if that was his fastball or not, but he he was not throwing with a lot of velocity, and so State just they couldn't. They couldn't get around on it, basically, and, and they kept popping everything up. That was about the first five innings of the game. When they pulled him and started putting in some pitchers who could get to 84, 85, 86, mm-hmm. that's when State started hitting the baseball. That's when they exploded in the seventh uh, for that eight-run inning. That's what put the game completely out of reach. Was he lefty? He was a righty. Oh, it was right-handed junk. Right-handed that's junk. That's a special sense of, or a, a special threw, case. Of, he threw one pitch. I'm not kidding. It bounced two feet in front of the plate. He just he couldn't get it over. Whoop. Yeah. Wow. Big crowds both days, I'm sure. Announced big crowds. Well, I mean, it's kind of kind of the season paid that we're in right now. Paid attendance was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a paid crowd of 8,000, in reality, 800 yeah. there. Well, that's, you're pushing it with 800. Wow. Um, so, so there are no questions about the weekend rotation right now for Mississippi State, are there? No. Uh, no, even though Keegan James got a few innings on uh, Tuesday, he is... That's because he didn't pitch on the weekend. He didn't pitch on though, Sunday, right, because right, that game was canceled. He is still scheduled to start on Sunday, and then uh, game one, game two, Ethan Small, JT again on Friday. 
think this baseball thing may, may work out for JT again? He's gonna if he continues to play like this, and obviously that's a big if. We're only three starts into his career, but if he plays like this the next two years, and he he'll be a draft eligible sophomore. You think you don't think he's a one and done guy? <laughs> if he could be, he would be. Uh, but he'll he he will he will jump up in the draft twenty some odd spots probably and, and make a lot more money. He's, he's where was he drafted last year? Twenty ninth, I believe. Okay, I think that's right. And turned down basically two million dollars. Two point three is what I was told. Yeah. Um, what about the rotation, Rippy, for Ole Miss? Uh, you, you know Will Etheridge in game one, um, two and three. Zach Phillips and Hoagland are what we've seen for the first, well, uh, attempted to see those three for the first two weekends and going, or first three weekends. Is that what the rotation is going to be going into league play? I mean, there's only one more weekend of non conference play before you jump in and host Alabama. I don't think so, but it could be, I guess. Do you think Doug Nikhazy slides into one of those two spots? Into Zach Phillips' spot? Yes. I'll say cautiously. So you think it's do you think it's Will Etheridge and then Hoagland and then Nikhazy, or do you think it's Etheridge, Nikhazy, Hoagland? Depends on what happens at Louisville next week. As to whether or not Nikhazy pitches much in the midweek? Yes, or I don't think he would start a game there, but maybe. You got two of them. Somebody's got to start. Yeah. Uh, Louisville ranked, what, as high as number eight, I think? So uh, it'll be an interesting midweek. Ole Miss hosting UAB this weekend. Mississippi State hosting Maine this weekend. And Southern Miss has got Holy Cross coming to the Pete starting on Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line. You probably don't want to get into a chugging contest with Brian Haydad. I just watched it, uh, that water, I mean, I was thirsty. open the gullet and let it flow. I was pretending it was a Coca-Cola. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on uh, on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Borky on the other side of the glass. Appreciate Luke Johnson just a little while ago joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, and you're in North Mississippi, why don't you reach out to Mississippi Land Bank? They've been financing land for over 100 years, and uh, it doesn't matter if you're a farmer. If you are a farmer, you can uh, can deal with them for crop loans, for refinancing an existing loan. Maybe it's buying a new piece of property or those big equipment loans that you got to get for that new cotton picker or combine or whatever other piece of equipment it may be. Not a farmer, that's okay too. Buying a piece of hunting property. Maybe you're going to build a dream home on a small piece of land. Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do. They finance land. Their website is mslandbank.com. All right, boys, so uh, I'm not going to say the three of you. I'm going to say, Michael, you in particular. Hey, Dad, to a lesser degree, and I can't honestly, Rippy, remember exactly where you fall on this. Uh, Borky, you have pretty steadily been in the category of, yeah, but nothing's going to happen anyway. Yeah, and I have completely changed my tune on that. It all of a sudden feels like something is about to happen. Um, Now... The reaction, the reaction today across social media from college basketball fans has largely been, nah. 
I just don't think that's the reaction that you're getting in Indianapolis right now. Updated story today from Dan Wetzel at Yahoo. 2017 phone conversation intercepted by the FBI between LSU coach Will Wade and basketball middleman Christian Dawkins features Wade speaking freely about a strong ASS offer he made in the recruitment of a prospect Yahoo Sports has learned. Do I need to spell that or should I say it? No, we're good. We're good? Uh, All right. What's it spell? Uh, Yes, thank you, Rippy. Thank you. Uh, On part of the call, Wade expresses frustration that a third party affiliated with the recruitment uh, had yet to accept Wade's, quote, offer. Instead, a verbal commitment to LSU was being delayed because Wade theorized he hadn't given the third party a big enough piece of the pie in the deal and instead tilted the offer toward the player and his mother. Here's a quote from Will Wade from the wiretap, according to Yahoo. I was thinking last night on this smart thing. Yes, there is a player at LSU that goes by the name of Javante Smart. He was quite instrumental in a couple of wins LSU had with Tremont Waters out just yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Huge just, in the Tennessee game. Just, just saying. I'll be honest with you. I'm bleeping tired of dealing with this thing. Like, I'm just bleeping sick of dealing with the bleep. Like, this should not be that bleeping complicated. There's no elaboration, according to the story, on the smart thing and what it is. They do point out that Javante Smart is currently a freshman at LSU and a former top 50 recruit from from Baton Rouge. Continuing the conversation with Dawkins. Quote, Dude, I went to him with a bleeping strong bleep offer about a month ago. Bleeping strong. The problem was, I know why he didn't take it now. It was bleeping tilted toward the family a little bit. It was tilted toward taking care of the mom, taking care of the kid. Like it was tilted towards that. Now I know for a fact he didn't explain everything to the mom. I know now he didn't get enough of the piece of the pie in the deal. To which Christian Dawkins responds, Mmm. Another quote from Will Wade. It was a bleeping hell of a bleeping offer. Hell of an offer. To which Dawkins responds, Okay. Wade follows up with, Especially for a kid who is going to be a two- or three-year player. By the way, Javante Smart was not considered to be a one-and-done NBA prospect when he committed to LSU. So... This update in the ESPN story to continue that, apparently in a different phone call, Wade joked that the player would be compensated more than the rookie minimum in the NBA and said that uh, he told Dawkins he made deals for as good of players as him that were a lot simpler than this. It's fine. It's fine. Didn't Weren't you telling me Borky someone was trying to spin this as he was discussing playing time? Yeah, there, there were what people the, that were sp- <laughs> What is the rookie playing time minimum in the NBA? Yeah, they're guaranteed yet. 12 minutes a game. Okay. Um, I saw somebody that was kind of being funny earlier today said, put Will Wade on the witness stand. They go, what is this offer you were discussing? And he says, look, I'm sorry. I'm a little embarrassed by this, but I'm really passionate about the education that we provide at LSU. It's a strong bleep education. <laughs> It's a strong bleep degree. Yeah, like Jason McIntyre, the the guy at Fox Sports, was defending Will Wade by saying, you don't know what the offer is. He could have been talking about education. Oh, geez. What is the, again... What's the rookie minimum of education? Yeah. Yeah. um, And then Dan Wetzel 
uh, reporting this afternoon. Uh, th- to me, this word always feels so big. So we knew the indictment had been handed down that was going to cause Will Wade and Sean Miller to be subpoenaed and have to testify in the trial coming up in April. Superseding sounds like such a big word. In a superseding indictment filed this afternoon, federal prosecutors allege Christian Dawkins paid bribes to unnamed assistant coaches at schools located in Nebraska and in Texas. Okay. Nebraska and Texas. Who could those schools be? Well, they've they've announced. I know they have, but before we give them out, who? What are the possibilities? Right. Well, just just for the record. Yeah. If you had told me this two years ago, I would have bet you my house, the one in which I put my head on a pillow every single night, that it was Texas A and M. Yeah, but. A&M. Because Rick Stansberry was on staff there. Oh, now. No, that's why I would have bet you that. A&M, A&M is not the school, though. A&M, they recently moved. They're back at Nike, right? No. Are they still in Adidas school? They, you have the same uniforms they have in everything. I thought, I thought they, they switched no. to Nike. Okay, well, then, yeah, A&M and then in Nebraska. Nebraska is an, is an Adidas school. It is neither yeah. A&M nor Nebraska. Not, the two right. schools in Nebraska and Texas are Creighton. Doug McDermott's the head coach there? No, he's, Doug McDermott's the son. McDermott was his dad yeah, also, Doug, right? I think he's still in the NBA, or at least he yeah, was Yeah, but I know his dad was his coach, right? You're going to really test my knowledge of Creighton basketball. I know that when Dana Altman left, I don't know any coaches past that. Uh, and TCU, where Jamie Dixon is now the coach. What uh, Borky, what's the time frame on... I mean, this is in the last couple of years, right? Right. So Jamie Dixon left Pittsburgh a couple of years ago has turned the program around at TCU in pretty short order. They're a bubble team in the NCAA this year. Yeah, and Wetzel just now, I mean just now, has named the two coaches involved, assistants Preston Murphy at Creighton and Corey Barker at TCU. Okay. Greg. Greg, Greg McDermott, McDermott yeah. is Doug McDermott's dad. Yes. But we're talking about assistant coaches, at least for now, right? that are going to be called to the stand. I would just like to point out that college basketball is saying – Coach K said that earlier in a press conference, this is not the norm, and Creighton and TCU are playing the game. Doesn't that really squash the argument that it's not really the norm? I mean, it, there really wasn't an argument. And you and I, we, you know what we're talking about here. That's, that, there was no argument. That was just him trying to save face at college basketball. Is this? Here's you know, the other thing about Krasuski in this deal. Is if you can say Krasuski, I can say Kwanzo. I just want yeah. to point that out. Yeah, yeah, yes. The difference is I actually know the proper pronunciation. <laughs> there's no, there's no excuses. To power move to just neg him a little bit with the name. Yeah, you know the thing with this is uh, the the disingenuousness of the comments that Mike Shashevsky made when he's like, you know, this isn't going on all over the place, and uh, I'm shocked to learn this. Well, then you most, it's impossible to look at Mike Shashevsky. And what he has accomplished and what he's done in college basketball. And on any level, makes sense of him saying, I had no idea any of this was going on. He or Roy Williams, either one. I mean, he's the biggest hypocrite in college hoops that never gets caught on it. What was that thing? And why does he not? Is it because he's a god in college basketball? Yes. It's the Saban effect. Winning his his coach in history, USA basketball... 
Great relationship with a bunch of players. Coach K and beyond. He's got his own radio show and satellite radio where he introduced interviews all the stars that are, uh, you know, in all the other sports. Unassailable. In the midst of all of this, he signed the best recruiting class in the history of college basketball, and not one single person went, "Huh." No, he, he didn't even get that. Well, the best if, recruiting class ever in the sport. If you create a cult, you get to do whatever you want. That's a good point. That, that's fair. I will say this. It is altogether possible that the guys at Duke's recruiting are not being paid under the table by Boosters or Mike Krzyzewski or whatever else. And their deal's being handled in an altogether different way. And it's not by Jim Gatto at Adidas. Just oh, by the way. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Interesting day in college hoops. More coming up after this. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Great way for you to get in contact with us. Ceasefire, please don't text and drive. Philip, in regard to Will Wade, I wonder if he bleeped his bleeping pants when he found out he was on a bleeping wiretap. That's a good one. Good well played, job, Philip. Philip. Well played. Good to be with you this afternoon. You can text the show, as I said, on the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet us at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. What does this mean? Before we move on, what do you think this means? In isolation and then for college basketball. For In isolation, Will Wade's going to be in trouble. But But for the sport itself, I don't think it means anything big. Everything will business as usual will we'll continue on that front. Uh, Rippy, what do you think? What best uh, big picture, small? But sorry, I didn't realize you were typing. There. So you were asking earlier if I uh, no no like, what, what what stance everyone had fallen on because you didn't remember. I wasn't ever the guy like saying like I called it. This is going to change everything because I didn't know, but I did know it would be different than some NCAA investigation because when you give the NCAA the ability to obtain information that they don't on their own, like through wiretaps and something like that, it's going to be bigger and it's going to be different and it's going to be more significant. I just didn't know how much. And if this guy, what's his the defense? What's the attorney's name? Haney. Hey, is that it? I think so. Yeah. So if he's actually going scorch search on on this, like he has a much, he has the ability. He's swinging a heavier stick than people are giving him credit for. I think he has the ability to do real damage because we're talking about a court of law. And, and and the interesting thing is, the damage that he does may not be carried out in the legal process, right? I mean, these are just subpoenas that are going to be issued for these guys to have to come testify in open court, and the reason they're doing it is to try and prove that I don't, you know, that the that this wasn't some corrupt deal by the shoe companies that other people knew about it. Yeah, whatever. I mean, this is part of their defense strategy to bring as many assistant coaches in as possible. It may not help or hurt in the legal sense, but if all of this dirty laundry gets aired out under oath publicly in court, then the NCAA, I mean, all they've really got to do from a work standpoint is read transcripts or listen to the open court testimony 
and they can kind of start handing down punishment pretty much whenever they want to. It will be interesting to watch how they mishandle this because they will in some form or another. No, I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not That's even. The best part. He's not joking. No, I'm He's not. It's so well played. It is a slam dunk, but they are going to find a way to do something not smart, do something that is completely ill advised. And I don't know what it is because this seems well, like such a dunk, but like Vol's Twitter on Dan Wilkin. Well, but. Um, oh, how about Peter Burns? Yes. That was hardcore, man. That was hardcore. I'm sitting there. I, you know, I had. I'm watching that game, obviously, and I'm you know on Twitter and I'm doing this, that, and the other. My kids are around, and that like a dog hearing a doorbell. My ears just perked. I was like, "What did he say?" Someone sent me, and in. I rewound. And I was like, "So, so was oh. it like on a toss from the studio, or was it a halftime, yeah. or what?" Yeah, they went to commercial. They were right? going to commercial, and whoever it was dunking on them, like, like well, no, no, but on Dan Walk. Yes. But Peter Burns was in the studio, right? Right. It, it, it was. It was a transition. Okay, it, it, but. I thought it was a voiceover, like someone had made it, like Photoshop on Twitter. When I first like someone no, got sent the video, of this. anyway, I don't even remember what we were talking about now. Well, we were talking about how it's a sl- this case is a slam. Dunk. But they are going to screw it up somehow. Yeah. They're going to take. Well, like, I mean, like with I forget the guy's name, but the Miami thing a few years ago. I mean, they had everything. They had all the evidence, but they screwed it up. This is a little different, though. I, I agree that it's a little because, different. But what I'm saying is. The NCAA, I agree with Rippy. They find ways to screw things up. I mean, do you trust the NCAA to screw a light bulb? I, I trust them to. No, they, this would, use is a, they would use a hammer. It's impossible to screw up, though, because they're not the ones doing the investigating. They're not the ones doing the interviews. They're not the ones putting legal documents together. I agree. That that's the difference here is they don't I mean it's have almost as anything. simple as all you gotta do is take the light bulb out of the packaging and screw it into the receptacle. Yeah. But to Rippy's point, they'll probably try and use a hammer. It's kinda like bringing a like it was almost like they unintentionally brought in a ringer to like a five man scramble in golf. Like they don't actually have to do any work, but they're gonna collect. And they're not collecting here, but all they have to do is like, you know, make a couple putts. You're riding the, the analogy punishment. train today. Well, I mean like like you're Everything the NCAA wishes they had in terms of access to like obtain information, investigations, they're like have through a third party here. Yeah, it's about to be handed to them, and selective enforcement's been an issue with them for a long time. But that will also be impossible because this is going to play out in the public eye. May I stop and just tip my cap for a second to LSU? I, I I think. Joe Oliva, generally speaking, is a buffoon. However, he did hire there's back been a lot accent. of great dry humor today. They're however, just dropping these things in every. However, with regard to the way that LSU has handled this basketball season with Will Wade, with their players, and with the NCAA, I give you a standing ovation. Because what were the options? The options were, oh, we're going to investigate this on our own and we're going to, out of an abundance of caution, withhold any potential ineligible players and we're going to sit Will Wade on the side and not allow it. Nope! Not one of those things happened. They said, no, we didn't do anything wrong. He's our coach. That's our coach. And you know what? Joe Oliva's sitting in his office right now going, geez, i got to find a new basketball coach next year. We're going to have to deal with sanctions. But you know what? Let's go see if we can win us a national championship this year. Because our fans are going to be excited about it. And what have we talked about vacated wins before? Meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. 
If LSU gets to the Final Four in basketball this year, yes, there's going to be an asterisk. Yes, they're probably going to go back and erase it. Yes, they're probably going to vacate whatever they win. But they cannot vacate the fact that 15,000 LSU fans will make the trip to the Final Four wearing purple and gold, having a Mardi Gras party inside a dome, watching that team try and win a national championship. I'm going to see it with my eyes. You're going to see it with your eyes. LSU fans are going to see it with their eyes. And LSU will live with the consequences. So be it. And what if the NCAA brings a hammer to try and screw in a light bulb? And they just happen to screw it up. And maybe you don't have to fire your coach and you don't have to vacate those wins. It seems unlikely. But so what? So what you're saying is, if I get the gist of this, is there will be no exemplary cooperation happening from LSU? No, I don't believe LSU is going to be doing anything of the such. Very good. Who could have learned from that? I mean, LSU doesn't even cooperate with the conference office. That's true. You think they're going to cooperate with the NCAA? And and so... I would just claim that the Napoleonic Code has different laws and then get away with it. <laughs> you know, our legal system is a little bit different here in Louisiana. We have parishes. Yeah. There is no county court. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Borky, you asked the question, what do you think? Short-term, long-term, what does it mean? Well, short-term, Wiretap Will is in big trouble. He'll still make his $2.5 million this year, but he won't be coaching for them next year. He'll probably never coach major college basketball again. Outside of that, this won't mean anything unless the scorched-earth attorney delivers on his promise here in April. Because even at the beginning, I didn't think the NCAA was going to do anything about this. And now I've completely changed that because you have a motivated attorney with a client who's already going to prison. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain by burning it all down. He's already going to prison, so go for it. Expose everybody. There are legal documents. There will be wiretaps and transcripts and financial papers for dozens, at least a couple of dozen schools that will be put out in the public eye in April. That, that will happen in one month. Seven weeks, I think. It would be an interesting experiment to build a separate prison and for all the people that end up going to prison, just put a bunch of basketball coaches in together. You'd like to be a fly on the wall? Yeah. There's there's jokes to be made, and I can't get to them. I just can't quite get to where I want to go on that. But but I guess me saying that is where does this end and what is the end goal? The like, end goal really, of people who? really if anyone yeah, in, like in anyone involved, I get like one. I don't really understand what the FBI is doing with this. Like, don't you kind of have bigger fish to fry? They do, but, but that's not really the point. I don't guess. But I mean, like when this all ends, like how many people are in prison? Like, has it changed anything? And where does it end? Because you couldn't you keep peeling layers back of this until you got to like D two athletics, if you really wanted to. Probably. Hey, I'm shocked. Dan Wolkin's going high horse on this story. No. Here's his tweet. Column, if LSU was going to the NIT, they'd ban themselves from the postseason and fire Will Wade after explosive Yahoo report, but because they have a chance to make the Final Four, it'll be dirty business as usual. My column. I will say he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Matt Moscona, I thought, actually had a pretty good uh, pretty good response to him. Matt hosts a, uh, a radio show in Baton Rouge. He says, like Auburn playing Cam Newton after his dad saw the 180K, or A&M playing Manziel after the autograph video, 
Or UK hiring Calipari after vacating Final Fours at two different schools? Like like that? Business as usual. Both sides of that are actually correct. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. I'm kind of picking up a little bit of a theme in the bump music today. <laughs> Let's switch gears away from Will Wade and the NCAA and FBI investigations. Let's talk about something a whole lot more fun, like the NFL draft with uh, Chad Ryder on your radio right now. Chad, I was talking with somebody earlier this week, and I said, I think the NFL draft is uh, is going to be kind of a fun couple of days for the state of Mississippi, and it felt in some ways like the uh, the combine last week was kind of taken over uh, by the state of Mississippi, at least from, from guys that really grabbed headlines this is a really, really good year for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State, or at least it appears that way on paper. Do you agree? Yeah, I think there are some really good players, um, you know, with the Bulldogs and the Rebels. And I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. They have question marks, though, right? I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, we all know what he can do. I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick or not, um, you know, with the off-field and the ACL. I'm not sure how that's all going to play out for him. Um, DK Metcalf, same thing. Looks like Adonis can run, obviously. Um, Side-to-side, short area, not as much. But, you know, he could be a high one. Uh, Tez Sweat, another one. So, yeah, it's going to be Jonathan Abram. Um, You know, scouts knew coming into the year that Mississippi State had a bunch of talent. And uh, it played out, and, and um, so I think it's you're going to be hearing uh, a lot of Mississippi uh, come uh, come draft time. Chad, the the AJ Brown question is an interesting one to me because most people going into this past season were kind of projecting him, and I started asking the question, you know, because of his measurables, is you know, could DK Metcalf be and ta- be taken higher, and on the heels of the combine, it's like everybody's kind of all over the DK Metcalf because of what he looked like and how he ran and you know the bench press. But as we get closer and teams really start picking those guys apart, is there a chance that, that people could actually maybe revert to A.J. Brown because of the production that he had versus DK Metcalf? Well, possibly. I think Metcalf's ceiling is higher, um, so he'll have a chance to go higher. I mean, would it shock me if Sajan went in the late first round? No. Um, and I think he answered, I mean, I think the question about him really is just the speed and, and the quickness and not so much the production. I mean, I think, you know, there's been a lot of very productive college-wide receivers and they never make it in the NFL because they don't have the athleticism. And I think I think A.J. showed that he was a good, I mean, he's good, um, athlete, not an exceptional athlete, but he's a good athlete. So I think that pretty much locked up at least a mid-second round slot for him. Um, and if he goes higher, you know, maybe. But with the Metcalf thing, I think his ceiling is so much higher, he'll probably go higher. But he also has the injury concern. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be more of a question, I think, um, than anything else. And, and until teams get the meds, get the thing off from their doctor that he's good to go, then uh, when they get that, then he'll you know be high on the board. Chad Ryder on your radio draft analyst at NFL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder, R-E-U-T-E-R. 
So, so Chad, there, there's some draft experts or analysts or scouts that, that I've seen talk about the Ole Miss offense under Phil Longo and, and the fact that it was a, an incredibly simple scheme and that wide receivers you know, weren't running routes and aren't going to be as polished. Have you heard any whispers about that with teams as they look at the receivers from Ole Miss, I guess three of them that were at the Combine, including Demarcus Lodge, or is that even really a concern for NFL teams? Well, I think it's. I think you have to note it, but that's not going to prevent them from um, going to the next. I mean, that's at every position: um, offensive line, quarterback. Obviously, um, you know, that, you could say that about a lot of positions. That you don't have the level of responsibility in college that you will in the pros. Uh, wide receivers take long; uh, can take longer to become the guy in their systems than you know a running back, for example. It's often year two or year three before receivers do that. So, so it's nothing. Old Miss is doing anything any different than any other college. You say the same thing about Baylor receivers. Hey, Baylor receivers don't even run their routes if they're not. You know, for a long time they didn't even finish out their routes, and their coaches told them not to do that. Texas Tech, some of the same things. So I, I wouldn't worry about. I don't think it's any different for Old Miss than any other school, really. Chad Bryant, hey Dad here. You talked about Jess Simmons just a minute ago and how, you know, obviously with the injury concerns, his draft status is sort of up in the air. What are you hearing from NFL teams about where he can expect to be picked, and is there still an opportunity for him to go in the first round? Um, for Metcalf? I'm sorry, I didn't awesome. hear that. Jeff Simmons. Um, oh, oh, Jeff Simmons, yes. Uh, I, I think there is a chance. I think a team uh, – I haven't heard anything – that would make me think that teams are overly concerned about that injury. Um, you know, that, the knee injury, I think those have come so far now in terms of being able to heal from those. And and an ACL, or you know, certainly an MCL, which is lesser, even an ACL is not that big of a deal anymore um, as long as the guy is, you know, doing the rehab as he's supposed to, obviously. Um, I don't think that's a concern about... Uh, his ten, he might not. Maybe if he didn't have that injury, we'd be talking ten or top ten or fifteen. But even with the off-field stuff, even though he hasn't, even though he has been, by all accounts, a good citizen since all of that stuff happened before he even uh, went to Starkville, I think that is still going to play a role in his final selection. Owners will have a say in that. So if anything keeps him out of the first round, it's going to be that stuff, and then with the ACL kind of added, but. I would not be shocked if Oakland or New England or somebody at the end of the first round still took a chance on him because he's a heck of a player. Um, so I think that's still the first round still a possibility for him. But it also won't surprise me if he ends up in the second round because of some of those concerns. Chad, with regard to, to that video and the stuff before Jeffrey Simmons got to Mississippi State, is it something, and I ask you this because I know you've been around NFL media for, for a long time, is this something where... It's going to be a story on draft night, and then it'll be a story when he first reports to a team, and then it's just not a story after that anymore, uh, assuming yeah. that he stays uh, on kind of on the straight and narrow? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, look at Tyreek Hill, for example, for the Chiefs. It was a story, it was a story, then he got really good, and it was a story for a little bit, and now nobody talks about his domestic um, you know, violence past. And I think that's going to be the same person. And then it's going to be, you know, even more so because it was a while ago, and he has a good track record since then. So, yes, 
you know, NFL Network's going to talk about it. Uh, and they sh- and we should. We should talk about it. We should bring it up. But we should also balance that by saying, and there hasn't been anything since. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think teams are the same way. You have to, you have to consider it. Um, it. It has to be part of the conversation. But I don't think it's going to affect him. Um, you know, hopefully it won't affect him as much on draft stock. Um, you know, Laramie Tunsil, another, you know, that, that whole draft day debacle with him. So he dropped from six or eight to 13. And, you know, he, if, if he plays well and goes on, then we won't bring up the gas mask much anymore. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just gonna, the te- you know, people are forgiving, but we have to talk about it, um, at least at first. And on that front, there's some teams that probably are kicking themselves for being persuaded by a gas mask uh, picture that surfaces on draft night that probably caused him to uh, to drop in the draft, right? Well, maybe, but if he gets nailed for it, you know, and it has to miss part of a season coming up, then no. I mean, it's 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 something that's going to stay with him for a while. Um, and you know, we, that book is not written yet. Wait, you're talking so, about Lar- you're still talking about Laramie Tunsil from a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, oh yeah. So if he let's just say that something happens next year, and it affects his play, he gets suspended. You know what I'm saying? So like, it stays with a guy for. Look at Antonio Brown. The guy went in the sixth round because scouts knew that he wasn't going to be an ideal teammate, and mm-hmm. he had issues. And as soon as all this stuff happens, now scouts are coming out of woodwork saying, "Oh yeah, we told you he's going to be a problem." Well, guess what? He had like. 15 Pro Bowls before that, right? So, I mean, <laughs> the Steelers made a good pick. Yeah. But, this, you know, if, if he relapses, if something happens, people are gonna still going to bring up the gas mask in four or five years. So it's going to stay with you, but in the meantime, he's going to be a heck of a player. So if he stays clean, then he's fine. If something happens, then that stuff's going to all be brought up again. Yeah. I just continue to kind of think that the New York Giants could have used a little bit of help on the offensive line somewhere right. along the way. Right, and and they'll and if he never has a problem, then but that's but that's the issue, isn't it? You that's don't the risk know. you take. Yeah, you know you you got millions of dollars. Everybody on TV is going to watch, and if that gas mask picture comes out, and then the next team makes the pick, everybody's going to be on that case. You know, and and they'll and they'll be watching them like a hawk. Um, and, and so you know it's it's. You know, don't get in front of that camera, kid. That's what that's what I tell people. You know, don't don't pose that picture. Don't don't get in front of that camera doing something you're not supposed to. And if somebody takes that picture of you, you should take their camera phone and throw it in a lake. Maybe, yeah, maybe. That's right. Hey, Chad, right. appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll talk again before uh, the draft rolls around. Always good to visit with you. Yeah, you bet. You, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Chad Ryder, NFL.com. Five o'clock hour with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Programming note, tomorrow afternoon you will have baseball on your radio as opposed to Sports Talk Mississippi. Ole Miss will begin their game one against UAB at 3 o'clock. Mississippi State will begin their series with Maine tomorrow at 3 o'clock. So there was not like a an, an all-sport boycott of Maine coming to town for <laughs> the anything? Kroom Revenge series is on. Let's go. Yeah, it's only it's been fourteen years, fifteen years in the making, but finally Mississippi State has the Maine Black Bears where they want them. Is this the first time that Mississippi State has played Maine in any sport since then? I am not one hundred percent sure about that, but I am ninety nine percent sure that, that is a yes. Yeah, Maine was one of the um, maybe in women's basketball or something. I don't know. I want to say it was probably two thousand five or so 
Maine was uh, in the Oxford Regional in baseball. State traveled to Maine in 1991 for the for a regional up there. Orano, Maine. Orano, Maine. Yeah, about that. Yeah, just uh, I remember the guys had a big time after they got. They played hard. Didn't yeah, maybe won a game and lost a couple, and then had you know hung out for an extra. Oh day yeah, yeah. Had a large time watching I some college did, baseball. Yeah. baseball. Yeah. What do you uh, do in Maine for fun? Eat lobster. Track moose. <laughs> Is that moose country? I have no idea. It's north. It's, it's well, if the Red Dead north. map is accurate, that's yes. The what? Red Dead. Red Dead. He, he, once again, Michael, you're going to have to get him on a reference here. He doesn't know. It's what. a video game. Oh. I make no apologies I'm for not saying. knowing that. <laughs> Fair enough. Not an Xbox guy? Uh, no, my kids got uh, Nintendo Switches for Christmas, which was. Uh, yeah, my, my daughter got one of those, yeah. I don't actually don't even know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a handheld. But you, it comes with a console as well, so you can switch from playing handheld to playing console on your television. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, she has Super Smash Brothers, which is a game that I'm Borky. I assume you played a lot of Smash in college. Okay. Yeah, I never played it. So the, the the story of you know normally a dad plays the kid in video games and you smoke the kid. Nah, nah. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So she crushed me. Mario Kart's awesome. Never played. I've never played Mario Kart in my life. That was always big and. Week. Well, you should get it for the Switch. I should. You can play it. You know, there you go. Handheld on the. Anyway, um, so anyway, got baseball coming up tomorrow afternoon, three o'clock for uh, both Mississippi State and Ole Miss sports talk or video game talk. Brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank <laughs> online. You can find them at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind and you are in North Mississippi, let Mississippi Land Bank help. Again, the website, mslandbank.com. You can find a branch location near you. You can grab the phone number, give them a call. They've got special um, products that are available for uh, financing that uh, may fit exactly what you need, exactly what you're looking for. That's at Mississippi Land Bank. All right, Borky, a little college football fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. they got more than trucks, though. They've got the SUVs like the Explorer, the Edge, which is in that crossover category, or the uh, Fantastic Expedition. Get it in the Expedition or the Expedition Max, whatever it is that you like. Go text, uh, test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. I just received a, uh, a text from a MSU, former MSU employee. Women's basketball destroyed Maine two years in a row, 16, 17, 17, 18. Okay, so good to know. Now we know. There we go. Uh, Keith, also in Vaden, mentions that uh, Mississippi State women's basketball plays tomorrow as well. That's right. 11, uh, 11 a.m. tip-off against Tennessee. I will be on the JT show at 11.05 if you can – Balance both. Yeah. Is uh, the Tennessee coach getting – not that this matters. I was thinking about this. Yes, yeah, she's going to get she's fired. She's probably going to get fired, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would say the their, with, is high. With their win by three today against LSU, Tennessee got to 19-11. and 11. They're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. I don't know that they would have if they had lost that game to LSU. Um, am I correct in saying that they are the only team that has played in every single women's NCAA tournament, like 38 in a row? I believe that's correct. Uh, that streak was – Certainly in jeopardy at times this season. Yeah, um, it still is too. Yeah, I guess it could be. And, and they go out and lay an egg, and State beats them by twenty five, thirty points. I was going to say when State goes out and beats them by forty, you were going to say when, not if. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was. I was going to say when Mississippi State goes out and beats them by forty tomorrow, it might give the uh, committee reason to take a little bit longer look. 
Uh, none of that, though, is related to college football. This is. Uh, Michael Borky is not the biggest fan of list season. In I, fact, he is daily putting it, it in the show as a hashtag. I hashtag list SZN because he's cool and edgy like that. That's short for season for all of you out there. Yeah, he says he doesn't think that list ZN is giving enough credit to uh, Clemson. Such a, such, a, such a South Carolina homer over there. It's uh, all, he, about, he, all about the, his state. I couldn't think. I don't Palmetto. think that's actually what it's about. The but Palmetto it, State. I couldn't you know, think of the name. No. I could have gone to Clemson. Chose not to for a reason. Uh, Michael's examples for uh, list season. Season, man. I know. Not giving Clemson enough credit. He says Bruce Feldman ranks uh, Nick Saban ahead of Dabo Sweeney. How dare he? Sporting News ranks Tua ahead of Trevor. Disagree with that. And uh, Tua is the Vegas favorite for the 2019 Heisman. So, Borky says he's going to play a little game. Yeah, a little spinoff of list season. All right, so, let's do it. I think Dabo Sweeney's the best coach in college football currently right now. And also, since it's kind of two different questions, I think if you were to start a program today, you would start it with Dabo Sweeney. I think he is currently the best coach in college football. If I gave you the option... Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban, who would you choose? We should do this Jeopardy style to tribute to Alex Trebek. <sighs> who is? Fire away, boys. And in fairness, let's just say they both coach for five years. So for the next five years, who would I the, want for my the coach? next five years? You get Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. At, at what program? At your their, expansion at their program. programs? Oh. What role am I? What role am I assuming at this expansion program? Like, is, a lot are you of just questions. emotionally it's invested it's in it, or are you, you like an AD? You're thinking of this way too hard. Which coach would you rather have coach your program, Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney? For the next five years. For the next five years. Who is Nick Saban? Sweeney. It has to be in the form of a question. Saban. Yeah. Just for the Why? next five, yes. Next ten, I would say Dabo. So. I understand where you're coming from with Dabo Sweeney, but I want to look at the track. I, I feel like by only taking into account what's happening right now, you're not looking at a long enough time range. It took Dabo Sweeney some time to get it like this at Clemson. He was and a bad year away from getting fired. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was, it was half a decade, maybe a little bit longer, of seven and five... Eight and four, seven and five, six and six, losing a bunch to your rival. And then they kind of got onto something. They really caught lightning in a bottle. Uh, it was for, for Clemson, it was success on the field with good recruiting that triggered elite recruiting, as opposed to elite recruiting that allowed them to trigger elite results. If you take a longer track record look at Nick Saban, so so again, you're saying an expansion program, who do I want to be my coach? I can look at Nick Saban's track record at Michigan State, at LSU, and and certainly at Alabama. And what he did at Alabama to go from barely bowl eligible, what, six and five in that first year? Six and six, yeah. Six and six. Oh, they lost a bowl game. Didn't they go six and seven? Didn't you have a losing record yeah, in year one? Maybe it was six and seven. Whatever. Yeah, had the loss to Louisiana Monroe, ULM in the middle of that season, mm-hmm. to where they were the next year. I mean, it, it's 
Nick Nick Saban has shown that it's not a five or six or seven year process. Be patient with me while we get it to this level. You're telling me for five years, I'm saying he looks like he's in really good health right now. He's the best recruiter in college football and he's got six national championships. That's the guy that I'm picking to, to run my program right now. Yeah. Right why, now. Why do you say Dabo Sweeney? The things that I have seen lately with player interviews, recruit interviews, I think his new age approach to program building is what will last moving forward rather than what Nick Saban's done, which is proven it still works, it's still going to work. But Dabo's new age style, his have fun, goofy, that that kind of, even though it's probably an act, I think that new age approach to building a program and, and sustaining a program is going to resonate with kids more than Nick Saban moving forward. I, I I don't disagree with one thing you said. Nick Saban grinds those players. I mean, they grind and grind and grind, which is why if you go a little bit earlier in his Alabama career in the years where they weren't playing for a national championship, they mailed it in in bowl games. Because those kids, I mean, it was a, we're going to win it all or it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I think the college football playoff has been really, really good for Nick Saban because even if they lose a game, you know, even if they wouldn't have necessarily – because they wouldn't have been in the BCS championship game every year that the playoff has right. been in place. There would have been a couple of Sugar Bowls mixed in there. <laughs> yeah. But when you're still in that semifinal game, even if you're going in as the four seed, you got a chance to win a national championship, and he's able to hold that attention and keep those guys locked in just a little bit longer. Uh, I think the playoff has been – good for his legacy sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm richard cross michael borky brian haydad brian scott rippey and right now on the farm bureau phone line david delucci former big leaguer former all-american at old miss currently college baseball analyst with espn and the sec network did i miss anything on your bio or is that sufficient that's good that's good i like it avid turkey hunter Noted outdoorsman. A genetic freak. Godfather. I mean, you keep going on and on. But uh, but I will that that's suffice. That, that that'll work today. Hey, did did, did we mess up? Is is this the uh, the youth weekend for Turkey in Mississippi? Uh is it this weekend or know. next weekend? Hey, I I think it's this weekend, but I've never had to worry about it until last year when we went with your son. So uh I don't know. That's a good question, man. It kind of snuck up on me. Yeah. Um, hmm. Interesting. You, we need to check into that. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of this business off the air. I think the point here was to uh, to talk some college baseball. Uh, Ole Miss East Carolina yesterday, uh, eight and two-thirds, full count in the bottom of the ninth inning and a strike away from a no-hitter. Have you ever been on a team that was no-hit? Yes. Where? Yeah, those are uh, – I was with the Diamondbacks. And uh, we we just went on uh, a little stretch where uh, we couldn't we couldn't buy a hit. I mean, our offense and this was two thousand and one. Our offense was terrible, and um, I think Zito, Mulder, uh, Hudson rolled in town for the A's. They had our number. They made one hit us, two hit us, and then a guy for the Cardinals uh, no hit us. Um, it was embarrassing. It was one of those games where you just couldn't do anything. Uh, and you had to tip your hat to him. And quite honestly, I have forgotten his name. But he got sent down to double-A shortly after that. <laughs> kind of odd salt to injury. Um, 
But, you know, it just happens. It's, it, it's every good offense is going to get into a slump. And uh, sometimes you have to tip your hat to the pitcher. Uh, Ole Miss has is, is always been a good team that is, is just does not give up until the very last out. And uh, when you walk away from that game, obviously they came close to winning it. But you just have to find something positive, and being able to, to squash that no-hitter is something you build off of. So Bud Smith doesn't stand out in your mind? No, not Bud Smith. It wasn't him. It was another guy. Was it Jose Jimenez? Uh, yes, Jimenez. That's him. Jose Jimenez. That's it. Yep. Yep. Man, I'm getting old if I can't remember guys. Of course, I mean, you don't want to remember guys that no-hit your team, you know? And you just kind of move on and forget about it. Yeah. But that's uh, it. It, it, uh, it happens, man. It happens. I, I think, if I remember correctly, maybe two or three years ago, the Rebs, uh, I think it was Wright State, maybe, a couple years ago that uh, had their number going deep into the game as well. Uh, I can't remember if they got no hit or not. I don't think so, but it was close. It, yeah. just, it, it happens. It happens. David, Brian Haydad, I, I don't know if you've had – too much chance to see JT again uh, this season, but he's obviously been very impressive in his first couple of starts. Just, you know, you played obviously a long time in the majors. What are you seeing from him? And, and is he a guy that, that, that made the right decision at this point? Do you think that, yeah, this is a guy when he comes out to the draft, he's, he's put himself in that position, if he continues at this pace, to, to way climb up the, uh, the draft board? Yeah, I think he will. I think, I think you look at it uh, as if it's an investment. Uh, with, with his with his money, I mean, he basically turned down what I would always advise young players is if it's life changing money, you gotta you gotta go with your dream and, and you gotta take a shot at professional level. And and this is this is big money that he turned down. But obviously, he looks at it as if he's coming to the best and most competitive conference in baseball. He's going to mature as a young man mentally, emotionally, and physically. He's going to a great program where he's going to learn how to pitch. And he looks at it, and I look at it too, like, you know what? In, in, in a couple years, we may turn around and go, he turned down chump change. Uh, there's no telling what this young man is capable of as long as he stays healthy. Uh, he, he is a, a ball player that – I have heard nothing but positive things about. Everybody is curious to see how he's going to handle Division One competition, and so far, so good. I think it's uh, it's working out to his favor, and I, I, I really think it's going to set the tone for other players that have that choice coming out of high school, whether or not to go to college. I think we're going to see the tide shift. A lot more guys are going to go to college. Well, and David, the interesting so I kind of agree with you on the whole life-changing money, and, and that's a debate that, that I guess individuals kind of have to decide on their own. Okay, what what is the number that really changes things, not just today, but changes things for the next, you know, for the rest of my life? JT Ginn turns down $2.3 million, give or take, which is, I, I think that's probably a number that most people would say is life-changing. But if you look at the recent numbers, you've got more guys getting to the big leagues faster coming out of college baseball than the ones who go and ride on buses and go through no-name towns and, you know, A-ball for for a year or two. Is that also going to influence if those numbers continue to trend the way they are? I would hope so. I mean, look look at it this way. As well, these guys are going to play in front of larger crowds. 
They're going to play in nicer facilities at the collegiate level than the big league level. I mean, that's a fact. If, uh, he, he's liable in, in six years to be playing in front of 5,000 people in Miami or Tampa, whereas every single day he goes out at the new dude, he is, he's playing in front of sellout crowds. Uh, and he goes to LSU, and he goes to Ole Miss. And he's, and he's just what he's able to experience is far greater right now, okay? Than than a, a lot of the opportunities he's going to get in the big leagues. Yeah, he's going to make a lot of money, of course. He's he's going to play in the big leagues. That's that's awesome. But th- what he's experienced right now is just something you just cannot turn down. And also, you know, these pro guys that are investing a ton of money. And they can go up to six, seven million dollar, eight million dollar sign-in bonuses. They, I would believe, want to see players go prove themselves for three years, go get uh, you know some of the best training, uh, the best strength and conditioning uh, in the country, and it's a better investment for those guys to go down. It, it, it's it's a uh, to me, it's a no-brainer if you have that opportunity. Now, two million dollars. I, I, that's hard to turn down, but with the ceiling as high as that young man's, I think it was a smart move. Hey, a lot of people on the uh, C Spire text line have uh, have pointed out that youth turkey season does begin tomorrow in Mississippi, just just man, so you know. I'm going to go find a kid. If anybody wants to uh, let me adopt their, their son or daughter well, I mean, for the weekend, I'm coming into town tomorrow. I, my, my son probably would like to do this again. I'm just, just saying. Let's do it. Let's do it. The weather's not going to be too good this weekend, but hey, yeah, uh, we we had fun last time, and it was like thirty-one degrees out there. So yeah, not, it's always fun to get in the woods. Not, not ideal. So hey, going into the final weekend before non-conference play, who's impressed you most in the SEC so far? Tennessee, baby, Tennessee. I mean, are you buying thought, them? Right. I I oh, look, it's it's we're, we're not in the SEC yet, but what they're twelve and zero. Um, Tennessee, when they played Ole Miss, I got to tell you. I was impressed with their pitching staff. I think the Reds were as well, uh, and their pitchers have matured. Um, they they are are their top tier starting staff. Um, they've got some good athletes as position players. Uh, I look for Tennessee to find their way into a regional this year. We got a long ways to go, but uh, but as a completely different ball club, a completely different program. Under Coach Vitello, I like them. Alabama looks a lot better. I mean, from top to bottom, uh, the SEC is is probably, I believe, stronger this year than last year. Um, and, uh, and and there are some teams that really hadn't gotten rolling yet, like Florida, that will be there when the smoke's uh, cleared. A and M's got a phenomenal pitching staff. Um, it, it's it's good. But but look, to answer your question, Tennessee is the surprise, and I, I think they're going to. They're going to do some really good things this year. In the history of the coaches' poll, no conference has ever had 11 teams ranked in the top 25. That's what the SEC's got right now. 44% of the top 25 in college baseball in the coaches' poll is made up of SEC teams. It's unbelievable. It's hard. How can, how can you deny that? And, and, and we hear it all the time, not only in baseball but in football, how the SEC people claim is overrated. How can you deny that? And what these teams face week in and week out, the starting pitching that they face uh, every time they play a game, it's just the best competition, the best athletes, and that's why they're, they're ranked so highly in the polls. 
Interesting stuff. David, appreciate your time this afternoon. I'll uh, I'll follow up with you uh, away from the radio with regard to turkey hunting. Let's do it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. More coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.